either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Boy, probably as quiet a week, a movie week, as we have seen for a while. But uh, looking ahead, it's sort of the calm before the storm. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com, and only four new releases to talk about, but uh, a big one. The film adaptation of the Tony and Grammy Award-winning musical about Evan Hansen, a high school senior with social anxiety disorder and his journey of self-discovery and acceptance following the suicide of a fellow classmate. It's Dear Evan Hansen. I mean, you really going to tell these people that the only thing they have left of their son is a letter that you wrote to yourself? So, you and Connor, tell us something, please. Right. Um, I started talking and you couldn't stop. They didn't want me to stop. You don't know how much you've given my family and me. Were you ever actually friends with them? I never meant to make it such a mess. I was trying to help. If you knew who I am, just how broken I am. I already know you. I remember I had never even heard of this until, was it a year ago, two years ago? Our nieces, who live in Vermont, went, that was their big Christmas present, is that my sister got them tickets to go see that on Broadway. Yeah, because they're huge stage and musical fans, and uh, I don't know, did they target that one specifically, or were they just going to go to see something? No, uh, they targeted that one specifically. They? Either way, yeah, I didn't really uh, know much about it either, and uh, as we've said many times, I'm the musical fan here. In this in this room, you ain't lying. In this household, <laughs> so I was looking forward to seeing it for that reason. I know it, it cleaned up at the uh, Tonys a few years ago, uh, including an award for Ben Platt, who comes back to take over the lead role of Evan Hansen, and that has caused some tongue wagging because of the fact that now he's well. I think he just turned twenty eight, but when they filmed this, he was twenty seven, and people talking about him being too old. I I really that's that's the least of the problems. With this movie, I think they make him look young enough. And as been, as I've been saying all week, it's not Stockard Channing in Greece, right? Which uh, you know, when I saw that as a kid, it did, I didn't think anything about it. I will look at it now and just laugh. But uh, so it's not anywhere near that. Yes, he's a little bit too old, but whatever. Yeah, it centers around Evan Hansen, who goes to a therapist for his social anxiety and uh, the fact that he can't make any friends. And a part of his therapy involves writing letters to himself. There it is, the dear Evan Hansen. And through a series of mix-ups that is convoluted, but somehow the movie makes seem plausible, one of these letters that he types out and prints ends up in the hands of Connor Murphy, another young man in his high school senior class who can't make friends and is troubled. And then when Connor, unfortunately, takes his own life, his parents, uh, his mother and his stepfather, and Amy Adams plays his mother, they find that letter, and they think, well, this Evan Hansen boy must have been our son's only friend. And they search him out for comfort in that time. And Evan doesn't correct them. And so right there, you've got you've got a moral conundrum. At you the- do, because you can see the uh, right off the bat, well, he's socially awkward, so he's not going to really know how to behave in any situation. But also, it's very hard to tell a grieving mother who finds a slight amount of solace in you Nope, he really had no friends. Right, that's that's exactly correct. But as it goes on, it's clear that what he's really doing 
he's perpetuating this because it helps his own life. Yep. He makes friends now, and he gets to he gets very close to Connor's wealthy family, while his own mother, played by Julianne Moore, is away most of the time. She's working to try to make ends meet, so he, he sort of becomes a surrogate member of their family, which includes spending some quality alone time with Connor's sister, Zoe, who was always Evan's crush, and she's played by Caitlin Deaver. Who's always wonderful. She is, and she really brings the, the most honesty to this movie. So you, you've got the, the, the trick becomes, and the, the director is Stephen Chobsky, who did uh, The Perks of Being a Wallflower and Wonder. And we've said many times we, we are not fans of Perks of Being a Wallflower. The movie has a lot of fans. We're not among them. No. But, and he also did Wonder, which was better. And then uh, the uh, writer, Stephen Levinson, adapts. And really the problem that goes back to the source material is finding a way to take this m- moral problem at the center of it and make it a, an inspiring story while not being exploitative in itself. Right. And that's the problem with the movie. It just goes back and forth between doing it successfully and, and not. And it has a lot of reasons for doing that. I mean, it, just the, the setup alone, you, could, you wouldn't be blamed for thinking, all right, this is just another young adult specialness parade. And it is during some segments, and it's manipulative, and it's formulaic sometimes, but other times it does manage to say something. Um, And, of course, it's a musical. And one of the smart things here is that Chopsky has specifically Platt, and I think most everybody else, sing live. And that's very apparent right away. And I think that was a smart move here because, first of all, Platt has a wonderful voice. That's the main thing he brings to this. He has a great voice, and, uh, and having him sing live really brings some immediacy to the musical numbers, which I think Chopsky does a good job getting in and out of. That's sort of stylish. Once they're in the song, they kind of seem a little tentative and just sit there. And also, again, going back to the source material, too many of the songs just were treading the same lyrical messaging, the, the I feel seen we're going to see you type of, of message aimed at the, uh, at the young adults. But there are three or four songs that are very heartfelt and, and, and more uh, emotionally resonant as far as the lyrics go. So some do. Just really, that's the whole, the whole wrap-up of this movie is some of it hits and some of it doesn't. And another thing that becomes painfully evident, the more the movie goes along, when Evan, especially when he becomes, starts to become less of a social outcast and become a little bit more confident about himself, is that the, the acting part of Platt's performance just harkens back too much to the stage. He's playing to the back row. Yeah. And that's especially evident when he is playing against somebody as utterly brilliant in all things as Julianne Moore. Yeah, you've got Julianne Moore and, and then Amy Adams and Caitlin Deaver, who's yeah. also a very veteran now at her young age, a veteran screen presence. So they're used to the screen acting, more nuanced, dial it down a little bit. And he's really not so much, especially in, in a lead role. And I get that it's tough because he, he won a Tony, for right, God's sake, yeah. but it's a different kind of acting. And I think some of that also falls back on the director sure. to work with that performance and bring it, bring it down a little bit. So it's just a, it, it walks a line between really being successful and then just, the way I termed it in my written review was it's just as, as likely to elicit face palms as it is hugs. Right. Because th- there are moments, I mean, when those soaring melodies kick in, there are lump-in-your-throat moments. There definitely are. But there are also moments where you just, uh, it's, it's, it's more the same. So I think the bottom line is fans of the musical, 
like probably our nieces, and I look forward to talking to them, actually, about their, re- yeah, their yeah. reaction to this, are probably going to find things they like here. But if you just come in cold, uh, it's probably going to hit hit you middle of the road. It, and a lot of it's going to depend on how objectionable you find really the what sits at the center of, of the premise here, that, that ethical, moral choice that Evan makes. Because like we've said many times, there's nothing wrong with having an unlikable main character. And it's not that Evan is really unlikable. He's a sympathetic character. It's the choice that he makes. And, and how long he lets it go on, and the reasons for it coming apart. Because you know, I'm not spoiling anything here, you know that lie can't last, that's part of the movie. And when it does come apart, how he deals with it. So it tried to be, to speak more universally to the subject of, of troubled teens and the pressures they face today, and it just doesn't end up doing that as successfully as, as it wanted to. And it's about two hours and 17 minutes, so... They do add some songs that were, weren't a part of the actual stage musical, which most film adaptations do anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it needed to be this long, but uh, just about a, a halfway successful effort for a Dear Evan Hansen, which is out in the theaters right now. Let's go to a Netflix drama next, a dramedy, we should say. After Lily suffers a loss, a combative starling takes nest beside her quiet home. The feisty bird taunts and attacks the grief-stricken Lily. On her journey to expel the starling, she rediscovers her will to live and capacity for love. This is The Starling. It's not about Katie. It's about Jack and you. How do you restart? So you shrink, but in a vet form. Well, Yes, uh, technically. Some things are just out of our control. We're going to move on and move up. And we're going to find an even better life than the one we had. My wife would know how to quit. And I love her so much for it. I want to not quit with her. Yes. Starlings are different than other birds. They build the nest together. They protect the nest together. Just not meant to exist in the world alone on her own. Real subtle stuff, Larry. I thought so. Well, here's another one that deals with grief, but attempts to take a, a bit of a comedic look at it but not as comedic as you might expect with Melissa McCarthy in the lead. Which is interesting because she is, for my money, one of the absolute best comedic performers. Oh, I agree. But she's also really great in dramas. Oh, yeah. Um, you well, know, she's and, been Oscar nominated yes, for both has. a comedy and a drama. Exactly. So, oh, yeah. so, so you would think she would be a perfect fit for this. And I think the fact of the matter is that Theodore Melfi, who directs, can't decide if this is going to be a comedy or a drama. And I mean, there are a lot of dramedies out there. The problem with this film is that it really, what it tips, it tips very far one direction and very far the other. And given the grief at the center, the comedy feels very misplaced. Mm-hmm. Um, she, Lily works at a grocery store, and when they're in the grocery store, it feels like a sitcom, full-blown sitcom stuff, which just doesn't mesh. But her husband, who's played by Chris O'Dowd, who's always wonderful... He's actually in a in a mental facility. He's in an institution um, of his own accord right now because of the way he has responded to the grief. The problem is that a year ago they lost their baby, mm-hmm. um, their their child. Their child died from SIDS. So he is recuperating separately, and so Lily has to... She's dealing with both of those traumas simultaneously by just not dealing with either one. 
And what she does is decide she's going to plant a garden. And that makes good sense. And then there's this starling in the tree, and it keeps hitting her, like dive-bombing her, hitting her in the head. So eventually she wears a football helmet out to dig up her, which is funny. <laughs> and there are moments that are funny. The movie is very convoluted, because the next thing she does is she she seeks the assistance of a veterinarian to help her figure out how to get this bird to leave her alone. And the veterinarian <laughs> sort of sits in as her therapist. He's played by Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein is wonderful in this movie. Mm-hmm. But the scenes between the two of them just don't work. And they also bring in the metaphor of the way starlings live, the way starlings specifically live their lives. Exactly. I, I just none of it comes together very well. Um, and and to be completely honest with you, as su- surprised as I am to say this, McCarthy is the weak link. She she needs to be able to hold the movie together. And the mo- there are a couple of moments that are lump in your throat sad, and she just cannot land them. And there are other moments where I don't think she's sure why this is as funny as it is. Like, it's not supposed to be this funny. So it's not funny. Yeah, and sort of like we go back to what we were talking about with Dear Evan Hansen, and eventually you have to look at the director for that because you've got to nail the tone. And if it's not there yet, you can work with these. When you have a, a, a talented performer, which obviously she is, you think that, between the two of them, they could work through it and, and get there. And Theodore Melfi, he did Hidden Figures, yep. right? Now, the writer, Matt Harris, this is his uh, feature debut. He's been mainly a TV writer. Uh, but I think you're right about the tone. It has, it, it, it has a problem deciding what it wants to be. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, Chris O'Dowd is great. He's really, really good in this. And he has one scene with uh, Kevin Klein that's easily the best scene in the movie. Mm. Uh, and, and it speaks gener- uh, it speaks honestly to grief. But the rest of the movie is, unfortunately, pretty missable. Yeah, and that is on Netflix right now called The Starling. Let's go back to the theaters for a film set over 24 hours in London. This is a stripped-backed thriller about a man who goes on a bold and reckless journey of self-liberation. It's called Surge. Keep coming! Just what you plan at. You know the rules, all right? You don't need me to explain it to you. The machines took my card. You're the contact to your bank. <laughs> What's going on in that head? This is Ben Wishlaw. I love him. Yeah, and he is the reason to see this movie. This is a, a strange film. It really is, because it's, it's set up, as the synopsis said there, a thriller, but, but it's not really. It's just one man's downward spiral. Uh, this man, Joseph, played by Ben Whistlaw, and he is in London, and he works at the, the big airport there in security, you know, just wanding people down as just monotonous routine, and he has a clearly dysfunctional... <laughs> dysfunctional relationship with his parents. At one point, he goes home for a dinner, a birthday dinner. It's his birthday, and they can barely look at each other. And most of the conversation they have is his mother telling him that he swallows too loudly. (laughs) Which, by the way, you can hear. The sound design. This is a weird movie to point out the sound design, but it's not just the swallowing. It's all sorts of sounds. The sound design in this movie is tremendous. It really is. It sets you on edge, especially in the yeah. in the airport. It really does. It sets you on edge. Yeah, and I, I will say also, for anyone who might be triggered by 
frantic motion, handheld shaky cams in a movie. This is all about it. Yeah, it'll you, do it to you. It will do it to you. It's uh, the, the director here is Anel Karia, and I believe this is also his uh, feature debut. And all, it's all about the handhelds and the shaky cams. Once the once the breakdown starts for Joseph, and he starts running through town and running from place, it follows him with these sh- these shaky cams and close ups too. You don't really get much of a chance to breathe with the framing. So if you're troubled at all by that, don't go anywhere near this movie. But uh, there's a couple of weird encounters with air travelers in the airport that seem to set him off. And then he, once he once he lets loose, he he just goes from one uh, terrible decision, just following primal urges to another, until he's breaking laws and he's wanted and he's tearing up hotel rooms and just goes on and on and on. So while it is fascinating, it's fascinating mainly because of his performance. Right. The, the writing doesn't really give you any reason to connect with this character, other than just. He's maybe this is an extended version of and a better produced version of some footage you saw on YouTube of a guy who ate detergent and is just <laughs> and is just freaking out. Beyond that, you'd, I'm looking for a little more depth, you know, to uh, to connect with this character. But you mentioned Ben Whislaw, and uh, we're going to see him very soon back in the new James Bond movie. But this is his all the way. He is on screen almost in every scene, and he is he is very mesmerizing in the role because it's it's almost one of those train wreck things you just can't look away from him what's mm-hmm. this guy's deal yeah but if you're looking for any more depth than that you're not going to find it i think it is though it's well crafted enough and stylish enough to look to this filmmaker anel karia and i hope i'm pronouncing that right down the road i think he's got something that will will deliver some more um more compelling films down the road but this one really just just gets by just barely based on the, the lead performance, and that is in theaters now called Surge. And we'll wrap up with a quirky little movie on VOD. On a journey to scatter his mother's ashes, a reclusive and timid man encounters unexpected friendships and a chance to start living his life. It's Hudson. Hey, what is that thing? Oh, this is my mom. And my cousin's driving me to the willow tree at Cherry Ridge to scatter her ashes. There's no gas in the car. Do you think this is going to work? Ow! It should be an exciting time. You're looking at everything wrong. Won't you take me home? Who gets lost in a child's corn maze? That's minor brain damage. Maybe you want to have a little, uh, it'll help mellow you out. Just, Hudson is played by David Neal Levin in just a remarkable performance. You just love this guy. You would probably know him from TV. If you know him at all, you're going to know him from TV. Oh, yeah. He's done a lot, a lot of stuff. I'm pretty sure this is his first real lead. And he just, you know, he pulls off this character so well because it is kind of a reclusive. He's a guy who's lived with his mom his whole life. And he's very attached to her, and he's kind of in a funk, and he's in his bathrobe, and he's playing with his remote control uh, car. He wants wants ice cream at 7 a.m.? Yeah, he does. (laughs) Um, So he's goofy, and it's the kind of a role where I think in a lot of other performers' hands, he would feel mocked by the film, and he doesn't. You love this guy. You love this guy. And Mm -hmm. you accept him and appreciate him for who he is immediately. And I think that 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 says something about the performance and about the direction. Yeah, the writer-director here is Sean... Daniel Cunningham. I think this is, this is his second feature. And Gregory Lay 
is the co-writer, and he's also the co-star. Right. So Hudson's cool movie star cousin comes home to stay for a little while. He missed the funeral, but he is here to stay for a little bit. And so the two of them take a road trip to scatter Hudson's mom's ashes. It's such a uh, low-stakes, meandering, quiet loose, nice movie. It just, it really, I mean, it's a road trip movie, but they only drive about two hours from home. And once he finds his, his father, then you're going to recognize actor Richard Mashur, oh. who's been a long time, long time actor. And it's great because he's got this long, these, these long Willie Nelson braids. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> like, great. Wait, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then they pick up, they pick up a woman. She helps them when their car has a little bit of trouble. And she actually knows where they're going. And they really don't know where they're going. Sunrise is her name. And she's played by Mary Catherine Greenwald, who also produces. And, and she brings, I'm not going to say a bolt of electricity or anything, but she brings a little bit more sort of energy to the story. And, and, and it, it doesn't take much. It doesn't. <laughs> but having a stranger in the car means that these two cousins sort of start behaving in a way they're sort of introducing themselves and each yeah. other to this woman. And so what, what I loved about the film is that it, it, it felt very authentic. This felt like a very lived-in, long-term cousin-to-cousin relationship. And then when you introduce this stranger, that felt very realistic, too, and you see these different sides of these characters. So it's it's a subtle film. It's it's beautiful, you know, if you want to spend early fall in upstate New York, and I don't know why you wouldn't. I yeah. mean, it's a beautiful movie. And it's just it's just nice. Yeah, and really, it's uh, for the for the four we've got this week. This would be the pick of the week. This yeah. would be the most consistently rewarding film uh, this week, and it's on VOD called Hudson. All right, so with that, let's head to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Checking back into the lobby, getting the latest movie news from Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. The Schlocketeer. You must be excited. It's almost Schlocktober. It's almost there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not there yet, My but what, what, the year. what do we have here in the end of September? A lot of news about November and December. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, on November 4th, Shudder is dropping a new vampire movie called Dead and Beautiful. Uh, on November 5th, Wellgo USA is uh, releasing the the World War II action movie Hell Hath No Fury, and then it'll be followed by a VOD release on the 9th. Also going to VOD on the 9th is Lionsgate's monster movie The Score. Not sure why they're holding that one for November, but hey, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> then on November 12th, if anyone has missed Jungle Cruise or Shang-Chi in theaters, that's the day that both will be hitting Disney+. Plus. So they can catch up with them then. Now, are those going to be uh, still an additional charge or regular Disney Plus? As far as I know, they will be regular Disney Plus. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be doing the extra fees anymore, but with as fluid as everything is, you never know. Yeah. And then on November 19th, A24 is releasing Mike Mills' Come On, Come On with Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, that's from the... That's I think he did, uh, what, 20th Century Women was his last movie? Oh, oh so good. Enjoyed that one, yeah. so good. And then A24 on December 3rd is releasing Sean Baker's new movie, Red Rocket. Nice. Get out the uh, tissues, because I'm sure (laughs) sure it'll be another (laughs) another tearjerker drama. Um, Also on December 3rd is Disney's animated adaptation of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. That'll be on Disney+. And on the same day, Netflix will be dropping Sean the Sheep, Flight Before Christmas. And maybe that'll balance out the depression of Sean Baker's new movie. <laughs> then on December 10th, 
we get Mickey Reese's movie Agnes hitting VOD and Adam McKay's um, disaster thriller Don't Look Up will be coming out in theaters on that day and then hitting Netflix on Christmas Eve, which sounds a little darkly funny to me, but <laughs> yeah. world-ending uh, disaster movie on Christmas Eve. And that's the one with just the stacked cast, right? Yeah, I'm not even going to bother listing everyone. Uh, <laughs> the leads are Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. But it's the rest of everyone that's in it. It's just a mile long. Yeah. From current stills, it does seem like they went out of their way to make Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio look as ugly as they could. <laughs> they really did. I saw someone online comparing Jennifer Lawrence's bangs to the horrible uh, bangs that um, Courtney Cox had in Screen 3. Yes. <laughs> Frump them up. Yeah, they, so, that's right. So the rest of us won't feel so bad about ourselves. <laughs> Maybe. If, if, I, I think I'll still look at both of them and still feel bad about yeah. myself. But that's, <laughs> yeah. um, Netflix is also releasing uh, Paolo Sorrentino's The Hand of God in theaters on December 3rd and then on Netflix on December 15th. And then on December 17th, we get Maggie Gyllenhaal's The Lost Daughter in theaters, followed by streaming release on December 31st, and George Clooney's The Tinder Bar is also hitting theaters on December 17th, ahead of an Amazon Prime release on December 7th. And then finally, the A2 form looking forward to the most at the end of this year is Joel Cohen's The Tragedy of Success. Knew that's what you were going to say. Landing in theaters on Christmas Day, and then it'll be on Apple TV Plus to stream on January 14th. Now, did that recently get moved to Christmas Day, or has it all always been Christmas Day? It was one of those that they had just never bothered to set a date for. Ah. It was just going to be, hey, it'll be released in late 2021, and they they finally settled on a date for it. All right. Well, we got to let you get back to hanging up your Schlocktober decorations. <laughs> and uh, appreciate it. We'll check in next week. All righty. Okay, so this week, quiet. Next week, not so quiet. We're loud. looking at <laughs> not loud as Venom 2 Carnage comes out. The Many Saints of Newark. Yeah, that's the Sopranos prequel movie that we've already gotten a chance to see, so we can't wait to talk about that one. Also one we're very excited to see called Tatane. So excited for that one. The Addams Family 2 comes out. Also Mayday. Adventures of a Mathematician. Mathematicians having adventures. (laughs) (laughs) Just gets me closer to math, which I don't want. Coming Home in the Dark. Wife of a Spy. Black as Night. Bingo Hell. Weasel's Tale. And The Guilty. All right. Well, I'm kind of hoping that's all. It probably won't be, but uh, <laughs> but that's enough. And we've got some some heavy hitters at the top, so can't wait to talk about that. In the meantime, let us know what you thought about anything this week. I know dear Evan Hansen has some fans, and it, it's not terrible, but it's not great. Let us know what you thought or uh, anything this week. You can reach us uh, easily on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, also on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews, our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club, and all the info about the movie, the feature film that we're working on called Obstacle Corpse. Love to have you join that team. You can find all of that at madwolf.com. So until next week, we hope to hear from you. Stay well. Happy all... Yeah, no, it is officially fall now, so happy fall. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but... I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>